I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. And hello, hello. it's not just the three of us here. <gasps> uh, we actually what? have a fourth name that we need oh to mention. Oh my God. It's going to blow Oof. everybody's minds. But we are joined by a somewhat well-known podcaster from a thousand different shows. Uh, you may know him <laughs> from The Besties or My Brother, My Brother and Me or The Adventure Zone or, you know, just the internet, uh, Mr. Justin McElroy. Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the Hi. show. What a pleasure. Gosh, thanks for having me. Video games, right? Video yeah, games. That's this that's this one. That's the one we do here is video right. games. Okay. You have to kind of change gears. I put away all my my cereal boxes that I use for my cereal right. podcast. I'll show besides exactly. all these dice that I have everywhere. Right. Okay. Put away your arcane medical textbooks. Exactly like your medical textbooks that I'm sure you're referencing all the time on Sawbones. <laughs> Shove away your tabletop rule sets because we don't get into that here. This is our first Max Fun Drive crossover. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's true. very exciting. And it's, yeah. it's appropriate that only Max Fun members get to listen to this one. So first That's of all, true. thank you to everybody who's listening to this for helping support the show, for making a, a triple click possible and making it possible for us to have Max Fun Drive crossovers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's True. Yes. So we are going to talk about a video game today. It is one of the greatest video games ever. I think that's fair to say. I'm just stating it, it as fact. It's fair. Yeah, it's just, yeah, objective. It's called Portal. It came out on October 10th, 2007, which, by the way, is a year after the Nintendo Wii came out, in case we all needed to be situated in a very specific moment in gamer time. <laughs> wow. um, and it is a Valve video game. It came out as part of the Orange Box. I would say it overshadowed the orange box, at least for for a short period of time. Although mm-hmm. that also had Half Life Two, I think it also had the two episodes along with Half Life Two. Kirk, you would know. It was episode two mm-hmm. was kind of debuting, and that was seen yeah. as a big deal at the time. And Team Fortress, right? Team Fortress yeah, 2 was and on Team there? Fortress Two also came out. That's at the true. Time. I guess that was mm-hmm. also new. Yeah, That's crazy. yeah. Which is, I mean, it's not to say that people didn't care about the episodes in TF Two. They did, but Portal became a phenomenon. Well, it's incredible that that was all one package that you could just go know, buy six right? of X and, and you get all like these ridiculous games. Several incredible games. So I wanted to hear from the three of you about your first experience playing this game. So, uh, Kirk, why don't we start with you? When sure. What was your first memory of playing Portal? So 2007 was a big year for me in video games because it was kind of the year that I got back into games after taking quite a while off after school. And I got an Xbox 360 in 2007, in like August, and I bought two games. I didn't know any of the other games were coming out. I bought Grand Theft Auto San Andreas and The Elder Scrolls Oblivion, because I was like, I knew I liked both of those series. So I got those both, but I didn't know anything that was coming out. And then 2007 was this ridiculous year. That was the year... Uh, Modern Warfare came out, Bioshock came out, Mass Effect came out, which is funny because we're all playing Mass Effect together. So it's like we're all parting like it's 2007. And then (laughs) The Orange Box, which I loved Half-Life, one of my favorite games of all time back when I was a PC gamer in the late 90s and hadn't played Half-Life 2 at all. So I like played Half-Life 2 and all the episodes. And then there was this game Portal at the same time. Like I was so excited about Half-Life that I saw people talking about Portal and hadn't even played. It was like, okay, fine, I'll finally play this. And then I played it. And yeah, it was was totally knocked out by it, even though it was just one more amazing thing on top of all these other amazing things. I was just like, whoa, like for the whole fall, like video (laughs) games are so much better than I remember them being. Because I was playing Bioshock and Mass Effect and all this stuff. And then every year after that, you were like, wow, video games suck ass. Yeah. They kind of peaked. They kind of peaked that year. Kirk, in an alternate history, you you would have played like two worlds and like Venetica, uh, yeah. and you would have been like, "Oh my god, why?" And you'd never join Kotaku. Well, I'm, I'm out. 
<laughs> you don't I'm become a games journalist. You like don't get no. into video games. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so, anyways, yeah, Portal was a little diluted by that. Actually, like I thought it was really cool, but I, there were just so many things that I was playing all at once that, right. you know, it it stood out. I think a lot more if you were just kind of not expecting it at all and already expecting all those other things. But still, it was it was a really amazing experience playing it. Yeah. Right on, Justin. How about you? Uh, so this is a weird, I, 2007 was the year that I started working at joystick. Um, mm. cause it was like March of 2007. Uh, so this is like very much, I've been writing about video games like freelance for a very long time before that, but this is like, I'm doing this for a living. Um, yeah. so my mem- my memories of it are one, I didn't play it first. I wasn't like dying to play it because I, there was the discussion wasn't about Portal. Like everybody was talking about Half-Life and it was almost right. like snuck up on on people and like I think it was Ludwig Keatsman my, my who was the managing editor at the time was like stop what you're doing. <laughs> quit out of Half-Life and go play Portal right now because you can do all of it in like 3 to 4 hours and it will be spoiled for you. It's going to be all anybody's talking about. And he was very quickly right. Like this yes. is a, a time when get joystick and, and Kotaku and the like were, and I don't think you see this as much anymore. I feel like it's become the purview of like the tumblers and, and TikToks of the world, but like gaming culture was just a big a part of the blogs as like gaming news. So mm-hmm. for example, like every bit of portal ephemera, like, was uh, rushed in into production as a post like this yes. is, believe it or not this person made a portal cake this person exactly <laughs> right. recreated the cake for port like yeah mm-hmm. constant inundation like here's another cover of uh still alive believe it or yeah. not someone did it on a ukulele <laughs> yeah. right i also feel like memes lasted longer back then like oh, in yeah. an irritating yeah. way like now it's like we all get tired of a meme after one day because we're inundated by timelines constantly but at that time it was like we all got tired of the cake is a lie and then it just continued for another three years after that yeah. and it was yeah. inescapable and arguably yeah. has never left us was was there a meme-ish video game before this i mean i, I don't want to say you never want to say anything was the first of anything because there was always something well i mean i'm sure there were but uh, yeah kirk there was like leroy jenkins and like there was yes, stuff of before course. oh there was yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes but that was a little different because that wasn't written into the game but cake is a lie cake is a lie became the most annoying one because people use that as like their nerd cred like you would be like the cake is a lie (laughs) i'm a gamer too here's what i think in addition to it being i mean utterly fantastic uh (laughs) i think it was actually the length right because Mm -hmm. everybody could do it at the exact same time like gaming is so much less of a monoculture now Mm -hmm. even than it was Mm -hmm. in 2007 but this is something where like everybody could play it today and we're all going to talk about it because we all just played it because it's what Two hours, three, three hours, you know, depending hours. Yeah. on how right. smart you are. You played are. it in a day. Yeah. Yeah, single set. Yeah, I played it in 20 yeah. minutes. Um, yeah, I, I, I speed <laughs> I have to <laughs> work any percent speed run. Yeah. Imagine the brain nobody, of the person who, who played it in an hour the first time they ever played. They're like, oh, yeah, this makes total sense to me. You can't even do it. There are loading screens. Jason, what are your memories of 2007 Portal? 
Yeah, I don't think I played it in 2007 because I don't think wow, I got a what? 360 until 2008. Too busy and I think I played it then. So I think I was late to the was party. Was it spoiled for you? Um, I don't remember because I think uh, 2007, Kirk, Kirk and I both talked about how like we both had our gaffes in gaming in the gaming scene. And I think 2007 was mm-hmm. mine. Because you're both fake gamers. And- exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> fake gamer before. guys. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think 2007, I was in college. So I was like not, I hadn't been, I like took a little bit of a break. My gaming was just like getting hot and playing Guitar Hero in my dorm room for a while. So I wasn't <laughs> right. playing stuff like Which I wasn't rules. keeping up as much. <laughs> yeah, it was totally rules. But um, yeah, I remember playing it in 2008. I re- so I remember the hype was already there when I played it. But mm. I remember it lived up to like my expectations of, and it lived up to like everybody saying, oh my God, this is one of the greatest games ever. Um, and yeah, I remember it just totally blowing me away. And um, I remember being, I remember seeing a lot of stuff about GLaDOS on the internet and people talking about GLaDOS and then actually being kind of um, amazed by how underplayed she wa- she is in the game. And I think that's one of the tricks that makes it so good is that from the beginning, it's not like she's like, hi, I'm GLaDOS. And I'm an evil robot genius. She's like, it's really underplayed. It feels like yes. you're playing this game with this like, like kind of standard automated elevator voice talking to you. And then it's just subtly like over time you realize that she's kind of twisted. But uh, but yeah, that's 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 the the main memory is that I remember it like uh, it lived up to expectations, which is cool. Man, yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on Gladys, but Maddie, I want to know your 2007 experience. Oh, what, what my first time was. I have such a strong memory of it because I actually played it with two other people. Like all three of us played it together, I believe oh. on a PlayStation 3. Um, nice. One of my two friends owned the game and he was like, you two need to come over. We should play it because he had played it before. And me and the girl I was seeing at the time kind of like backseat played it like all three of us together. And he didn't tell us what any of the puzzles were. So the two Mm. of us would just be like, okay, like try this, try this. I don't know. And it was so, it's still like such a fun memory in my mind, like that night of all three of us playing it together and just like him getting to share the secret of the game with us. And it just like makes me feel cozy to remember how fun Uh, that was. And then I played it again on PC when it came out. And then I was looking at my playtime on portal two which we're not going to talk about so much today but that has the co-op mode and my playtime is like over 30 hours on that game and see mm-hmm. because i kept playing the co-op version with like other friends multiple times mm-hmm. because there's just something about these games where you want to share it with people because it just feels like even though they're single player games i mean portal two has the co-op part but you just want to watch somebody else figure it out because it's so fun to feel like a genius figuring out each puzzle that the closest you can get to experiencing that a second time is by playing <laughs> yeah. it with another person there and having right. them figure it out and be like, ah, ah it's like vampire gaming this. kind of, you're just like, let yeah. me feed on your <laughs> fun like first time energy because I can never feel this again. Yeah. yeah. It's, it just is, it rules so hard. I mean, the one of the first things that I listed in in our in our Google Doc is just how incredible the puzzle mechanic is. So I think we should talk about this a little because yes. it's still the greatest. So yeah, I think at the time it was revolutionary to have a gun that shot holes, like to have a completely <laughs> nonviolent puzzle game. First of all, was something mm-hmm, that people mm-hmm. talked about a lot. A lot of emotional violence though in Portal. I will say yes, <laughs> for sure. But, but not that's gun very very different from yes, yes the way that games classically worked at the time. Like to have a first person shooter where you're entering portals, and then Jason, I know you talked a little bit about getting motion sick, and I did too. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's worth it anyway. Like 
I don't know, just that experience of figuring it out. How, how did you all feel? Anybody can jump in here. How did you all feel when you realized um, how the game works, that it's a completely nonviolent game and that this is the way the puzzles work in this game? Because I had never seen anything like it before when I played it the first time. I almost can't remember, like, I, because it's such a different mode of thinking. Like, they're like, yes. now you're thinking with portals, I feel yes. like is the, yes. the way yes. they describe yes. it. And it really is, even playing it now, um, especially playing Portal 2, since Portal 2 complexifies the base idea so dramatically, so much more quickly, that mm-hmm. I was just like, man, I haven't used this part of my brain since the last time I played Portal. There really aren't, you know, a game like Baba is you, like there are puzzle games that'll put you into a different sort of tilted headspace, but Portal is really its own thing. I think the way that the game scaffolds itself is so well done, the first game, that mm-hmm. you're not... it. I was surprised replaying it, which I, I believe we've all replayed it um, either very recently or recently. I was so surprised by how it doesn't really get complicated until the last few test chambers, really mm-hmm. until that final run behind the scenes. And yes. that's actually where there are some issues with difficulty and stuff where like, mm-hmm. or readability, I guess. But yeah. the puzzle where, this is my favorite puzzle in the whole game. Um, oh, it's like in my notes, I think. I think it might be 18. Yeah, it's test chamber 18. There are 19. And it's the one where there are the like, there are platforms at various heights going around a sort of a horseshoe in the middle. And you have to go into the one and you drop two portals on the ground at different heights and you just start going up and down through them. <laughs> so each time you come out and you never lose and momentum. And you try not to vomit, which is the real yeah. challenge. Yes. If you do it wrong, the camera flips around and it is definitely, you were talking, Jason, about feeling motion sick and playing that. I was like, yeah, okay, <laughs> I remember why this happens. But that feeling of the momentum keeping you sort of pogoing between these two things and gradually climbing, it's so natural in a way. Like, I felt like, oh, this is totally logical. I understand the physics of this, but I've never thought about a situation like this before. And I can't believe that I'm, like, actively negotiating it without, you know, my brain falling out of my head. So that was, <laughs> I think, how I kind of felt playing it. Yeah, I, one of my favorites, mostly because I have a strong memory of not being able to solve it in the first game, is the one where there's the... Um, the field that destroys your objects whenever you walk through them. And eventually you Mm -hmm. realize that there's a hole in the wall that you can use to blast a portal on the other side. And I remember just taking forever to figure that one out. And then when you finally do figure it out, you're just like, oh, I'm a genius. I am so amazing. I have figured everything out. And also Mm -hmm. you feel as though nobody else has ever figured out the puzzles before you, even though literally everyone has played this game. I feel like every time (laughs) I shoot a portal, I'm like, yeah, of course. Like it's because I'm the greatest. I'm Michelle. I'm the Mm -hmm. coolest person in the world. (laughs) (laughs) It's really, it's such a good example of like taking a single mechanic and like just really just eking everything you can out of it and just like maximizing all potential uses for it. And like the rules are so simple but so complicated that it really feels like I mean people talked about this at the time but it's like one of those revolutionary things like along the lines of like chess or, or, or Starcraft or something else that's like so simple to learn and so complicated to master because there's so many different things you could do with it and you're learning it over time and it's just really fascinating to me this idea of like like it seems so simple okay you create a portal here and another portal here and you can walk between them but then there are all these rules at play here where like um, uh, uh, you can't shoot a portal like you might try to shoot a portal um, from outside of another portal to like make a shortcut for yourself and it's like no nope, yeah, that doesn't you can't work do that. and, yeah. and um, they, they put in all these safeguards to avoid like the paradoxes that you could potentially come up with and yeah I mean it's just it's it's one of those mechanics that is just like like 
feels like a game changer. Like it feels so revolutionary that it's like, how did no one else think of this before? But okay, it's brilliant. And it felt overpowered the first time you did it. Like the first yes. time you do it, it feels like, are you going to, so you'll just let me. Oh, 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 Especially oh, when yeah, you get right? the double gun that lets yeah. you shoot both. You're like, I am a god. Yeah, it's like, oh, so I can just do whatever I want. How are you even going to make up a challenge? That could, like, right. look at me. Yeah. And that's, I, I think I definitely had the experience of like the first time you get both of them, like shooting it in a wall where you could see yourself entering it. And yep. it's like, oh no, that's me. Oh wow. That's, <laughs> you know, mess around with that for a while because it's it feels really, really cool. And I think it's... The puzzle design overall is so, and I don't want to overstate the importance of Portal, even though I think it's difficult to do. But <laughs> what struck me as like incredible about it is that, especially when you get into Portal Two, it's it's a bit more of this. But I think towards the end of Portal, this is happening as well. The solutions that you're coming up with, it trains you to come up with solutions that are designed by this AI, right? In the in the in the mechanics of the game, Glados is Valve, right? GLaDOS mm-hmm. has designed these for you and you're solving them in the way that they are intended in the test chambers. Then in the second half of the game and in a lot of portal, your solutions feel like subversions. Your yes. solutions feel like, oh, I came up with kind of like a sneaky way around this. You didn't see uh. this coming. But of course <laughs> it did. It was designed from the beginning to but but it gave you that feeling. I think, by the way, that that moment of you can't overstate the importance of that moment where GLaDOS in the first game is like, well, it's time for you to die now. And you decide, like, actually, I don't think I'm going to because I got this portal (laughs) gun. So I think I'm going to do this other thing. I think that that is actually a huge touchstone in gaming culture where the idea of like, I'm not saying it was completely birthed from this, but like that idea of this huge game that taught you that like maybe you shouldn't always listen to what the designer is telling you to do is like foundational to like the speedrun community and and stuff like mm-hmm. that where like this is a game that taught you like you know you can definitely feel the hand of the designer it's so present in portal they've seen everything you're going to do they know exactly what you're going to try but you can still subvert it in ways that make you as the player feel like empowered and working against the design of the game in a way that feels really satisfying. I don't think you can overstate the importance of that. Yeah. And everything in the game is built around that. Like the whole idea that you're going behind the scenes of the puzzles, it, it mm-hmm. feels like it's almost like a, 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 I guess this is kind of a trite observation at this point, but it's like a meta commentary where it's like, you're literally looking behind the scenes of the game and like For sure. you've broken the game and you're walking around inside it. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, there's such a gear shift that happens in the first game in particular, which the second game happens almost immediately. The second yeah, game is, yeah. it's actually really interesting how Portal 2 is different from Portal 1. Well, I guess some of that is narrative stuff, and I want to talk more about puzzles because mm-hmm. puzzles are so good. But there's a puzzle shift that happens right at the moment you're describing, Justin, where and the the thrill of the first time that you just find a surface outside of the test chamber and fire the gun and it works on it, and you're like, oh... So this will just work on any wall that's like light colored wall. And Uh now I like don't have to follow the rules anymore. Like that is it's so key. There's also a moment where you open a door, which is not something that you ever had to do for the whole game. And it's just a half-life door and it makes the half-life door sound when you like press E and the door goes and it opens. (laughs) They actually do it where first there's a door that's cracked open. And you, you walk up to it, and it kind of just opens if you press use. And then there's a door that's closed, and you have to walk up and actually press open, and it opens. And there are two things that you've just never had to do because you've been in this sanitized, clean environment. And then suddenly you're just in these weird abandoned hallways. It's so cool the way they do that gear shift. And then 
the thing we're talking about with the like hand of the designer, the game is like it's so clever how the designer is like the voice of Gladys is the voice of the designer. And as you're mentioning, I think Jason, you mentioned this. Um, somebody mentioned this uh, early early in the game. Gladys is really just the voice, and it's yes. like the AI voice. Mm-hmm. This is like a trick that System Shock did with Shodan. Like it's a mm-hmm. thing that's mm-hmm. happened before, where the sort of corporatized like blah voice suddenly becomes more and more menacing and betrays that it's not really on your side and then turns evil but as that happens then there's this divergence between what gladys wants and what the game designers want which is the thing you were talking about justin where you're now breaking gladys's rules even while you're still following the rules of the developer and it's a really cool split that allows the narrative to like become more complex in a really organic way that Mm -hmm. then of course by the end you're like coming up with these really weird solutions for the final boss puzzle um, <laughs> that actually don't always love that 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 part of the game like i think the that final that boss, fight is yeah, it's a little, a little bit inelegant but like uh. they they push it to the max in terms of the parameters they're working with with those puzzles uh. in the first game yeah definitely yeah well some of the puzzles also have multiple solutions which i think is really smart yeah, and cool and it feels very it's it's i'm glad you read up system shot cuz it feels very like immersive sim in the way that it gives you the tool and like you can use it in multiple ways and experiment with it and and find ways to quote unquote break the game yeah i also think it's cool that this is one of the few games that has a female designer, Kim Swift, and then it also has a 100% female cast. So then it sort of underscores the idea of GLaDOS being the voice of the designer and just happens Mm -hmm. to be this all-female cast, which at the time was really shocking, honestly, for most people. But now it's like, oh yeah, why would that even be weird? But I remember being like, I've never played anything like this before. To have a character like GLaDOS who is so charming and becomes so wildly popular with people. And she just so happens to be a female villain is Mm -hmm. wild and awesome. Still the way they lean into that in the sequel is super interesting. I know we're mostly talking about portal, but in portal Two, a thing that I've noticed at least with Gladys is that, and with replaying the first part of portal Two, is that Gladys undergoes a transformation in portal one where like I was just saying, like, you know, like we've been describing, she sort of gradually becomes more and more menacing until she's really outwardly menacing. But even at the end of the game, she's still sort of speaking in that, like, please, you know, lie down and place on your face and pl- place your hands by your side and assume the like, whatever, <laughs> emancipation or like, get ready, prepare for the party. They keep talking about yeah. the party mm-hmm. and they're like, mm-hmm. assume mm-hmm. the develop, like the party, you know, pose or whatever. Like she's using a lot of <laughs> language to kind of hide the fact that what she's really telling you to do is like, die, get in the incinerator and die. You die. know, like, I want to kill you. <laughs> The sequel does a does a very different thing from the very beginning, and that's where there's a there's a different voice actor who I looked up who never gets credited. His name is Joe Michaels, and he's just the voice of the game for the whole first act. Um, you know, Wheatley, Stephen Merchant is like joking around, and he's turning up from time to time. And Gladys is dead, so she's not in the game at all. And there's this announcer voice that's playing the role of early game Gladys. Like, he's doing the same shtick where it's, like, the kind of, like, jokey corporate, like, if there has been an Animal King or other apocalyptic scenario, prepare for X, Y, Z. Like, the test chambers are for science. (laughs) Like, he's doing all of that, but it's also kind of menacing. And then he just goes away when Gladys comes back in Portal 2. And when Gladys comes back in Portal 2, she's totally different. Same actress, Ellen McLean. But the the character is, like, fully just talking to you. She's, like, not trying to pretend to, like, be the announcer voice. She's just, like, mad. She has this purr in her voice that, like, is, like, very it's angry. Amazing. Yeah. It's, it is an amazing moment when she comes back. And she's just insulting you right off the bat. She's, like, you know, you have all this history. And it really feels like 
this like mother daughter toxic relationship that yeah. is like very clearly what they were going for with that dynamic, which isn't really in the first game because she spends so mm. much of the game kind of hiding her true nature. I thought that was actually really interesting comparing the two. I feel like it's implied by the first game though, in part because I just associated the first game so much with Metroid, which is like the obvious counterexample of a game with a female character, mother brain as a character in that game, influencing Samus, etc. I always mm. drew that parallel in my own mind. And I, I think that influence is probably intentional, but but then just in addition to that, there's so many other little things in Portal that call that to mind, like the bring your daughter to work day, one-off references yeah. in Portal 1. Like the idea that you would only bring your daughter to work, first of all, like it just sort of emphasizes the the feminine coding of the entire game. I mean, I'm not the first person to point out, like you're creating portals. It's very vaginal as compared to like mm-hmm. the way that so many other games were phallic at the time. And like mm-hmm. you go to the mm-hmm. moon in the second game. Like there were a lot of <laughs> just very feminine coded aspects to portal as a world that made it not only reminded me of just Metroid, which is also in that way, but just also emphasize the the mother-daughter relationship and also just the idea of a feminine fight and the way that would look, which was really cool and interesting at the time. And I thought held up really well and was super subtle in Portal 1. Subtle enough that even gamers will play. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Am I alone in not loving the very final fight against Gladys at the end of Portal 1? Am I? Is is that just me? No, it's tough. I didn't care for it. It's kind of, it's a little off. I like the fight. I didn't like some of the stuff before it because I thought the readability point you made earlier, I think that applied to some of the stuff before it. And also I'm not a huge fan. I mean, I like your interpretation of the opening door thing, but I'm not a huge fan of like introducing that mechanic because you're not sure what to do. And it's Mm -hmm. like, this game has never brought this up before. So how am I supposed to know that I have to go and open this door? And I felt that way about some of the stuff towards the end, but I mean, not enough to be like, this isn't a masterpiece because it still is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. still the greatest game ever. It's tough because they had to I think the the you know I don't know if it's a mistake I'm not going to sit here and be like you know what I would have done with Portal but I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the challenge is we're video game podcasters that's our whole job <laughs> as brilliant as the game is nothing about it necessarily feels intense in the way that you would feel like tension like I have to solve this now it's yes. fairly methodical uh-huh. right and you have to have something at the end that feels like tension you know because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like well i've solved it your other the only other possibility is like a thrilling escape sequence with portals which like fine but it's also that would also be contrary to the spirit of the stuff right, that's come before, right. right because there's there's not there hasn't been like a twitch element to it to this point you know i don't know yeah it's, t- it's a tough it's a tough one there is a timer counting down though, which in and of itself is odd. And they give you a ton of time, I would say, yeah. to to get through the boss fight. I feel like it's kind of strict. I like run out of really? time sometimes. Oh, I re- I'm sorry, like, I just really? anything. <laughs> Kirk, are you maybe just like kind of admitting that you are bad at this? <laughs> yeah, this is making up for the right. only seven deaths to beat right. Returnal thing because now we know Kirk isn't really I'm great a good at Returnal. Game. Terrible yeah. at Portal. Oh. Yeah, there's just something in a couple of the the solutions that just it doesn't feel. Awesome. Like they're, they're trying to really, it's like a final exam. It's, and mm-hmm. then that's smart in that way. It makes sense. You're having to think, you know, in a lot of big and small ways about how to use portals. There's just like the moments where you have to get up to the portal, to the like globes that fly off of her. There's the one that's floating in the air. It's kind of the final one. And it's just a little weird, like. Yeah, on the like netting and you have to shoot up really high to get down onto the netting to grab it, which is annoying, at least to me. Yeah, Yeah, and the netting at least catches you, but the one that's in midair that you have to grab out of midair, it's just a little bit like more reflexy. And 
given that the portals are so strange physically, like that it's just a weird thing to have to do under pressure. It's not like a huge complaint. It's just like that that moment in the game, it feels a little more actiony because you're mm-hmm. under a time constraint. And it's also like you have to grab a thing out of midair, which I don't believe you've done in the game before. And it just has a little bit of like, oh, this is kind of stressful. And Shell kind of walks really slowly. So there's just sort of a feeling of like, oh, my God, like, you know, get the thing into the incinerator, but it doesn't always want to go in. It's a little bit inelegant in a way where the rest of the game is so essentially perfect, like perfectly <laughs> elegant, that in that last part, there's just enough room for like weird little points of, of friction that it's it, it sticks out a little bit, but it's I'm not super griping about it. Yeah. And then, it, and then it, but they follow it up with um, like, in terms of like rewards that you get for beating a game. <laughs> yes. Like, but in terms of like songs, like there are games with better soundtracks, but like there's no song no. from any video game that is in any way like anywhere close to this yeah this was a triumph i'm making a note here huge success it's hard to overstate my satisfaction no has there ever been like i mean like natural playboy from bust a move uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like that sure. uh, Parappa yeah. maybe something from Parappa is like yeah. approaching that level of, of being iconic but like I mean in terms of a song you heard 100,000 times that year I mean yes everywhere it, it was all encompassing and the science gets done and you make a neat gun for the people who are still alive I was not aware at all of Jonathan Colton when this game came out, who Jonathan Colton, like a well-known kind of nerd rock kind of guy, like just writes songs about coding and stuff and was like a perfect choice for this. But I didn't really know who he was. Um, I wasn't like super tapped into geek culture, I guess, and just, you know, didn't know everybody. But I want I don't know what the story is or whose idea it was to get him to write this song. They went to him. He wrote a blog they post about him. it that I read today just because oh, I was great. curious about it. They approached him and... He was already a Half-Life fan because he's a huge nerd. And so he was very mm-hmm. excited to to write the song and just get to be a part of it. And they let him play the game so that he already knew what GLaDOS's character was like before he could write the lyrics. So he had he had at least all the context of how to write in her voice. And then obviously Ellen McLean is performing it because she's also a trained opera singer as well mm-hmm. as right. doing the voice acting performance as GLaDOS in this. And it's incredible. I mean, the idea of a character from a game singing a song to you at the end of a game. Right. I don't think I've ever seen that happen. Like, it's very musical theater. Suddenly, it's <laughs> it, it, it just it, it takes you out of it, but in a really fun way where you feel as though the curtain is is being drawn back. And it's like, and now time for a performance from the host. Glados right. and she. Well, not just that. Also, the the message, right. the, yeah. the fact that it's called alive. still alive, and it's like, hey, well, you know that boss fight you just had. Well, yeah, about that. Yeah, <laughs> there are so many things about this. So, first of all, the very ending of the game, the fact that you go up and you're like outside, but then you get dragged back in. Was it always that way? Was that always how it ended with you being dragged back down? At the very end, I don't know because I remembered it with her. No, that was added. That was that added. was added um, to the game afterwards. That's kind of yes. what I thought. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, thank goodness because I thought it was a real Berenstein Bears moment for myself. Because when they knew they were doing a sequel, they wanted to like tease it a little bit, and they added which that. makes yes. even more sense actually if you're dragged in and then she's like, "I'm still alive," and that's where they of, like patched mm-hmm. it in. 
Uh, yes, yeah. they changed the ending. Oh, wild. Um, mm-hmm. And they've updated it a, a couple of little ways, like just graphical updates. Yeah, up they ways. added bonus maps well, and yeah, stuff and like there's that, extra developer stuff. commentary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do like that. I like that she references Black Mesa, which is yes. the facility mm-hmm. that you work your way through in the first Half-Life game. And then she's like, that was a joke, haha, but okay, was it? And that, like, I think that that line alone in the song, which... Also, I don't know who, if, I mean, maybe just Jonathan Colton was having fun and wrote that line. and it Probably being a Half-Life fan and they just approved it. Right. But yeah. because that line exists and yeah. there's, I guess there's some other hints and then there's, of course, oh, yeah. references to Aperture and Half-Life. But like, that is a part of the Half-Life universe. And mm-hmm. there's this whole theory that like at some point in Half-Life 3, you were supposed to get a portal gun, which would be a perfect fit for Half-Life, which you will both find out when we play Half-Life 2 later this year. Like the gravity gun is very portal gun. Like they're very similar mm-hmm. where there's this non, non-gun non weapon that lets you in, uh, you know manipulate the environment in some weird ways. Also, mm-hmm. just a, one other random musical shout out. The fact that Mike Patton, the Mr. Bungle Faith No More lead singer, he's the voice of just... Just the anger core in Portal, when you pick up the core that's like, you know how each of the little cores that you pick up at the end of this fight, they're each like a part of her personality. Uh-huh. And there's the one that's just uh-huh. like, wah, 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 like making crazy sounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mike Patton did all the zombie voices in Half-Life 2 as well. I think just in Half-Life 2. Bing! Kirk here from the future. Quick correction. The zombie sounds that Mike Patton did for Valve were actually from Left for Dead. Okay, take it away past Kirk. Bing! He does a lot of sounds. So, like, the, like, like zombie sounds are Mike Patton. Where If you've listened to Mr. Bungle in particular, that guy can do a billion voices. He has this crazy vocal yeah. instrument. The the darkness, one that nobody talks about anymore these days. Like, darkness yes, and darkness, Yes, too, he was, was the darkness in the darkness, which... Um, thing around this time. He, yeah, he was kind of just into... Video game voice acting, I guess, um, in addition to being an amazing musician. <laughs> but it's super funny that he has this vocal credit just for this one thing. I'm guessing because like they had him doing Half Life Two stuff, and they were like, "Hey, you want to just make some weird sounds, and then we can use them." Yeah, yeah. To your point, Kirk. So the the a little bit of backstory, and most people might know this, but just to refresh everyone's memory, that this game started as a college project by Kim Swift, who was mentioned earlier, and a couple other people yeah. at DigiPen. It was called Narbacular Drop, which or Narbacular <laughs> Drop, Narbacular Drop. Yeah, yes, yeah, amazing name. Yeah. Um, well, that game is out. Like you can play that. You could download that game. It's a separate game um, with mm-hmm. the portal mechanic. And so Valve hired all those people. They saw the 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 game and they loved it, and they brought them in. And then they decided we're going to make a game that's based on this portal mechanic set in the Half-Life universe and like with the story and then it iterated from there. The classic Valve move of grab hiring talented people and then locking them in uh-huh. Carbonite where they will never <laughs> create, they're, they're never be permitted Those, to create again. At yeah. least she got yeah, to release exactly. the game. Like so many other people didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but it's cool because it's this uh, it's this game. I, I guess they made it in two years or so, but they already had the core mechanic when they started making it. So like the reason that it feels so perfect is because they had the idea and they could just keep iterating on everything over time based on the mechanic and they knew we have a winning mechanic here everything else we can just keep keep like polishing this i think a lot about how this game was able to be short and to be experimental and to introduce a new mechanic because it was part of the orange box and because Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. valve also has like slightly different incentives than some other game publishers and how it's still kind of like now games like this tend to be indie games you know that come out and are like Mm -hmm. here's a legit new idea that you're going to do in this game and it'll kind of blow everyone's mind and if it's influential enough other people will steal it but 
to see this as like released with it's not like a super high budget thing, but it is made by this very polish oriented studio with a lot of people who are really, really talented is cool and still kind of feels unusual. Like the weirdness of this portal mechanic is still rare or almost it's it's still unique yeah no one has stolen it which is kind of interesting although i don't see how you could without people just being like this is portal yeah you can't do better than portal people will kind of use the idea but right it's it's just portal and like there just aren't that many games that introduce an idea that makes sense in terms of physics like it we understand it in terms of the natural world but it's a totally different thing like so many puzzle games what's clever about it is just like oh you're moving buttons you're pressing buttons and like rearranging sentences or whatever moving a room around like it'll just be like new ways of configuring ordinary physical actions but it's so rare to play a game where there's like a whole new kind of movement (laughs) implied that i just still I've still never seen anything like it, like anything as revolutionary. Playing mm-hmm. Portal 2, the beginning of Portal 2, they introduce five or six new ideas on top of the Portal mechanic that are never mm-hmm. in Portal 1. In Portal 1, there are so many things you don't do. You never, as far as I know, in Portal 1, have an object that needs to fall into the portals, which yes. is something you're doing really early on in Portal 2. Mm-hmm. There's There will be like... And, you know, well, like a, bullets get shot through the portals, but yeah, I mean, the rockets at the end get shot. That's at the yeah. very end, at the very end of Portal, where you need to have get Gladys targeted yes. by the portal. Mm-hmm. That's like such an interesting thing, and it's right before that you have to blow, you have to like break the glass because that blow up the glass missile. Yeah. I had totally forgotten that playing it, and I was like, "What is mm-hmm. this rocket launcher?" And it has the laser yeah. sight, and I was like, "Oh, I need to get it to shoot because it has the delay." Um, where in Portal Two, yeah, really quickly they're doing the thing where those lasers need to be redirected with portals to get them into like laser receptacles, which is much more complicated. And then you're using those refracting cubes to like reshape the lasers. And that makes it even more complicated. And then a big thing you're doing is you're picking up cubes and you're jumping through portals while holding the cube and like Mm -hmm. landing somewhere to drop it, which is another thing that they add that you don't do in portal one. They're having you, you know, you press a button and a cube drops from the ceiling and you need to put a portal in the floor underneath it so that when the cube drops into the portal, it comes flying out through a thing and goes where you need it to go. Like there's all these ways that you can tell the designers of Portal 1 were just ready. Like they're like, there are so many things we can do with this idea that we didn't do in this game. And the restraint of the original game is actually kind of incredible when you consider how obviously they had all these other ideas. It's really interesting. I was like not in a, I was not as high on Portal 2 as, as other people were when it first came out professionally. It's not, it wasn't anything negative. It was very esoteric and like looking back now playing it again, it's like kind of idiotic, but like it was just so perfect what it was, right? Like Portal Mm -hmm. was just like, this thing yeah and just, i still kind of feel that way <laughs> okay maddie maddie kind of gets right away i was not saying they did anything bad but like yeah they did make it feel more like a capital g game right oh, yeah. like this mm-hmm. is yep. a full we got the whole narrative thing it's longer mm-hmm. we're doing all kinds of other stuff it's like and it's all cool but it's not we got jk simmons yeah, yeah i got jk simmons finally i'm finally getting <laughs> jk simmons some work uh yeah, this was this is for kids for kids who don't know this is pre uh mid uh uh 20 teens when jk simmons became every old man in every superhero movie ever yep. made yeah uh and it 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 I, the comparison that i was thinking about is like portal 2 is like the best omelet ever made and portal is eggs like no <laughs> doubt this portal this omelet f- 
is absolutely delicious, but this guy over here created eggs. Like, it's, it's like eggs? Are you kidding me? This person invented eggs. Like, and it's always mm-hmm. going to be, that's not a comparison you can make. This part, well, and it's so specific to itself that I think Portal 2 suffers a little bit as a result of it because it's like, it's not like I don't want it to exist, but I also kind of don't want it to exist because it's yeah. like Portal is this perfect uh, uh, little thing. And I, 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 I don't know. I, I feel like, of course, they were going to build on it, but they didn't make Portal 3. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, mm. I don't know what you read into that, but like, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have always felt a little bit weird about Portal 2. Going back and playing it again it is an absolute... Uh, God, I was about to say triumph, but like <laughs> it's a triumph. I'm like quoting it still is. Alive, it's but. a great success, mm. you could say. Yeah, that's a lot. I'm making yeah, yeah, a yeah. note here. Ugh. I think that the Ugh. the word perfect is really interesting. Um we came, this came up a little bit when we were talking about gone home on our gone yes. home beans cast uh, as well. Webster's dictionary defines perfect. <laughs> this is the beginning of our of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, a, we're starting it now. Right now we're right. finally starting we're start it. We're going to start with a dic- uh, definition. <laughs> yeah, I'm, let me hit record. Hold on. I think that that word is interesting because I do think it can apply to Portal One. I I totally agree with what you're saying, also, Justin. Just that, play, like Portal Two, it's and it's such a like laugh riot from the beginning. It's so comic that it misses the sort of sinister oddness yeah. of the first game as well. And I really like that tone in the first game. It's an amazing game. Like I love Portal Two, but Portal One is special, and it's kind of got that perfect thing. That I wonder if that term really. If there's like a maybe a better word that we could use because it's it's almost always applied to small, like self-contained things that are built around usually one idea, like that don't sprawl. And that's when that word comes up. And it's kind of because I think perfection implies there are no faults, right? And it's much easier to identify something as having no faults when you can look at it in its entirety really easily and just be like, okay. I feel like I can look at Portal and I can see every aspect of it because I just played it. It took a couple hours. The whole thing is right here in my hands. And I can say, there are no real problems here. Like, the little things I can complain about, but not really. Where with Portal 2, it's just way bigger. There's a bigger cast. There's all these different people talking at you. It's exploring much more narrative just stuff, like with the history of Aperture and all of this environmental storytelling with like really specific characters that they're laying out. They're like explaining who Gladys is and mm-hmm. where Aperture came from. And then there's Wheatley. They give her a and, backstory, a tragic right. backstory and everything. Which is yeah. like, and that stuff is all cool. And then also the puzzles, they're like introducing Zoom gel and slow gel and all of these <laughs> wild things. And yeah. it's much harder to just hold it all in your hands and look at it and say, okay, how does this all hold together? And that's just, I mean, even that game is pretty focused compared to something like whatever, some huge, you know, Assassin's Creed game or something, which no one would ever call perfect because it's just so broad. So mm-hmm. that's, it's had me thinking about the idea of perfect games, which Portal is like as close mm. as there is to one and how like scope and ambition actually relate. Like if you keep it kind of small and keep it focused, it's more likely that you'll make something that feels that way. So you're saying if you want to achieve perfection, you have to make a two hour game. <laughs> right. Uh, you have to all the game designers out there. Limit your ambition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Kirk, I was thinking before when you're talking about this idea of like a mechanic that really changes, changes the physics and like is unlike anything that has been done before. I feel like I felt that way about Dishonored's blink mechanic mm. um, in that it also felt like it was going to break the game. I was like, oh my God, you're letting 
letting me do this? Like, did, like Justin was pointing out before. Oh my God, you're letting me break the game like this? I can teleport mm-hmm. anywhere? Um, I guess kind of similar to the concept of, of portals. Anything that lets you move in a way that isn't just like walking and running or like driving. Anything that feels like it lets you break the physics of movement, I think really creates that effect in games. Right. Um, almost Zelda Breath of the Wild almost feels similar with being able to climb anywhere and being able to glide anywhere mm. and that it's like, wait a minute, I shouldn't be allowed to do this. There should be limits here, but there aren't. Anything that feels like it breaks the limits of a game, I think, creates that, evokes that feeling. I think there's also an interesting distinction between those things. Like, I think that that's true in the way that it makes you feel. Like in Zelda Breath of the Wild, when they're like, oh, you can just go anywhere. You can kind of do anything. Like, that breaks the rules of video games in a certain way because you're so used to having restraints, but it's still within the world of the rules of physics because people can climb trees, people can climb rocks in the real world. And people can teleport 10 feet in front of them. Right, I get of even yeah. that, like, so the, te- the teleport is closer, but even that, it's not quite the way that Portal really just, like, slices straight through physics and invents a new kind of reality almost that you then are just like, oh, well, now this is just possible in the world and it was never possible anywhere. So it's like breaking the rules of video games and breaking the laws of physics in a way that just had never Mm. been done before. Yeah, I Mm. feel like something else that we haven't really touched on yet is just the intersection of story and ambient storytelling in Portal along with that puzzle mechanic. Because I actually Mm -hmm. think we all would have enjoyed Portal a lot if it hadn't had any of the story whatsoever. Like if it had just purely been a puzzle game, I don't think it would have been the phenomenon that it is now. But mm-hmm. also the story in Portal isn't necessarily related to the puzzle mechanic. I wouldn't necessarily that say that's a bad thing, but they mm-hmm. are discrete elements and they just happen to go together really well. But I also think part of what I was really struck by in, in replaying Portal 1 is how well told and how well paced it is. I, I'm always criticizing pacing on our show but portal Mm -hmm. is a really great example of what i like to see where it's so restrained and it ekes out little bits of story to you so slowly like it's as you said at the beginning of the show kirk like it's not as though glados comes out right at the beginning and she's like yeah this place is pretty fucked up we made a portal gun it's it's (laughs) gonna get really crazy in here and like brace your ass punk i'm a killer robot pew pew like it's gritty portal not it's not that and there are so many video games that are that and that's fine you know i like yours of war a lot it's fine it's okay Mm -hmm. but it's it's not that at all. It's it's very subtle. And that is something that's neat about it. I, I just, I don't know if y'all have thoughts on, on the way that the story intersects or the way that you get little dribs and drabs of story in the elevators, for example, and just how effective that is. I, I think it's, I think it's a very, I think you're right, Maddie, in that it's not a one-to-one connection, but you can definitely see what the development logic would have been, right? Like when you start with the portal gun, this is incredibly powerful, like how on earth are we going to make a game that we that you won't break the moment you start it with this thing, right? Well, mm-hmm. the only answer is it's got to be very controlled and very tightly contained or else people will just break it immediately. Well, how do we not make that feel restrictive? Well, we make it part of the thing, right? We make it right. the thing is that you are being restricted, right? Because it's the only thing. You talk about how like this isn't a puzzle game. It's not really an action game. It's a portal game. I mean, it's it's portal. Like, you know what I mean? It almost <laughs> defies that sort of like genre because it has to, it is so that central mechanic is so not just key, but like almost has to be contained itself because you, you you're right. We haven't seen like a lot of portal guns in other games because think about what a nightmare <laughs> that is. You know, it's like an utter it's like 
unthinkable that you could just be like, oh, I'm going to go up there. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Good job. You beat Mario. Well, like, isn't yep. that, and that's yep. like, that's the punchline at the end of Portal 2 is that they finally are like, and this is what would happen if you could use this in the world. You could just shoot it onto the moon and yeah, like, that's completely <laughs> like go transdimensionally like between, you know, stellar bodies with no... <laughs> pause because it just breaks physics and it's like this joke of like and here's a moment of letting you know what would happen if this thing was uh, allowed out uh, into the it's world so good yeah it's so good. valve is very controlling i do think that's just true like having recently been replaying half-life alex and like we're going to be playing through half-life 2 the three of us this year they're very in control like all of their games have that kind of control and they give you a lot to work with and you can solve the puzzles in a lot of different ways they really respect the player but they definitely are like this that that Valve game style, anyways. Which obviously these games are all made by a lot of different people. That philosophy is like super controlling, and I they have to have made that decision you're describing, Justin, to be like, well, the only way this can work is if we like make the narrative context that you are in test chambers mm-hmm. and are like being controlled by the game, because otherwise, it just wouldn't. You know, it would strain credulity too much. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to mention this because I didn't want to not mention it. Uh, Portal 2 also has some like there's some uh some gags, some running gags, I would say, in Portal 2 that are rough. Yeah. <laughs> that are like yeah. tough. Didn't tough care right for now. Them the like it didn't around. did not enjoy. And it makes and I, I I can't say whether or not like, you know, uh Kim Swift left halfway through the the creation of this yeah. of this game. And it makes you wonder if like and I'm somebody that like in my much younger days read a lot of like Old Man Murray, uh, which was a very uh uh uh, edgy for the time uh, <laughs> publication PC. is one way of putting it. Yeah, people um, have brought it up recently. There was a big piece. There was like a whole big thing about it recently that like people were calling it out and and tying tie, uh, drawing ties between it and the rise of like GamerGate and other shitheads on the. Oh, internet. old man Murray. I thought you were talking about Portal Two. For yeah, me yeah. too. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, old yeah, man yeah, Murray. Yeah. Which is obviously, I mean, Eric Wilpon, Chet Falzek, who went on to to write for Valve and and work on both Portal and Portal Two. Uh, yeah, it, there's some stuff about like, uh, uh, weight being a, a punchline and like weirdly like adoption being a, a punchline, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, that does not feel uh, particularly modern. And I think sort of like sours, uh, a little bit in hindsight, this is the problem, right? If you let your game go for eight hours, there's some portion of it. If, if, if portal one had gone on for eight hours, maybe it would have gotten right. racist towards the end. We don't know <laughs> because it cut off at three hours. <laughs> it's perfectly. It doesn't have yeah, time. Suddenly, to Glados, Glados, you have to, you have to remove the core from her. That, uh, that right, that right. That just shrieks racial slurs, stops her from being racist, and she sort of just goes, "Oh man." Um, <laughs> I, I was struck by that as well. Playing it, the weight stuff is interesting because you can see what they were going for. Like they were again, they're trying to like capture that toxic m- maternal thing, which like there are plenty of shitty yeah, moms. Yeah, it's kind of. Yes. It's like men writing women fighting, though. But edge right. to yes, it that I was kind of like, exactly. is that, is that, that what you think sure. would happen? Yes. So you can know. see what they're going for, but they're not they're not totally successful. The adoption thing is also interesting because it makes me think of so this is what 2011, mm-hmm. which that was yeah. right around when the Avengers came out. The and I remember there's this joke in the Avengers where. Um, Thor is like they're all sitting around the table and they're talking about Loki and then they're and Thor is like that is my brother and then Captain America or someone or Iron Man is like he just killed 50 people and Thor is like I mean he was adopted and that was kind of the punchline and then 
later that like got some criticism of people being like, hey, that's that's kind of hurtful. <laughs> like if you know that made me feel bad. Like that it's that you would you know distance yourself and treat adoption in that way. And this was around the same time, so there's just kind of some like missing sensitivity even ten years ago around that kind of a yeah. thing. That clearly they just thought, oh yeah, this will be funny. Like we'll just have her be mean about this this thing. And uh, and yeah, it, it lands a little differently playing it now. Yeah. Rough chuckles. <laughs> Rough mm-hmm. chuckles, as, as I always call them. Rough I, chuckles. I did look up some some video game articles from the time period about the adoption and fat jokes, and I don't I don't recommend doing that just generally. Like 2011 <laughs> era oh, uh, video we, game the websites. The internet should start at about 2015. Yeah. <laughs> right. Then we just I, erase it yeah. every five years. <laughs> there, there were definitely some articles on some publications where people were like, I don't understand why anyone's offended by this. I know it'll shock the three of you to learn that that was a take that anybody had. <laughs> At the time. Maddie, I might have written them. This is the right. problem with doing this for this long. You know <laughs> what I mean? True. It's entirely you didn't, possible. <laughs> you didn't, at least not it's, that I found. Yeah, it's, I mean, the, yeah, the internet, there was a lot of like ironic yes. everything back then. There was a lot of like, it's okay to say these things. That was also kind of the struggle of Portal, I think, is because the first one is very funny, but I would say most of the jokes are about the idea of this corporation and corporate overreach, and like the butt of the joke mm-hmm. is Aperture, and the idea of them trying to control Shell, and you sympathize with Shell. And then Portal 2 is, there's so many more characters, and it's so much more complex in terms of who holds power in a given situation, and like Cave Johnson and GLaDOS's whole backstory with Caroline, I... I don't really know how I feel about it now, but I I think at the time it felt revolutionary to just be like, oh, this game is going to be about this sort of female character being controlled and then rebelling against that control. And that's going to be a plot line. And then also she's going to have these edgy humor lines that feel kind of masculine in in a certain way. Like she's she's going to push boundaries and, and she's a female villain as well. And that felt kind of different in 2011 than how it feels now. But it's also just like what we perceive as being acceptable edgy humor has changed so much in the past 10 years as well that like punching down as a concept, I don't even feel like people used that phrase as much in 2011 as they do now. Mm-hmm. And right. like now I can look at, at Portal 2 and be like, oh, there are some jokes in here that are punching up and there are some that are punching down. And I can observe that difference as opposed to just being like, they're all jokes. What's the difference? They're, it's just jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting yeah. that personifying Aperture and Cave Johnson in the sequel, it's yeah. funny because J.K. Simmons is a delight. And like, he's a, you know, the way he plays him as this like blustering uber capitalist research yes. asshole is like a funny take. But the style of humor from from Portal 1 has kind of, it kind of holds up more because it's still kind of, people still do it. Like a yes. lot of the language that I wrote down a few things that when she refers to it as your victory candescence or um, where it's like, it was a fun test and we're all impressed by how much you won. Like those, <laughs> those like sort of patronizing corporate speak, but yes. in a weird mm. kind of bent way that still feels funny to me because corporations are, if anything, like even more in charge of our lives. And there's even more <laughs> right. of that bullshit yeah. that we have to deal with at all times <laughs> everywhere. And yes. so that feels much more like a target for ridicule that still applies. Where like, even with Cave Johnson, it's like, do I want to hear more jokes about like shitty dudes in charge, like old fashioned mm-hmm. guys who like think they own the world? Yeah. Like, and it's kind mm-hmm. of a cop out too, because at this time period, like STEM was still a male dominated field, but they're like, oh no, no, no. The villain's going to be from the 60s when things were really sexist. So like, 
like you're gonna go ahead and feel like nobody would ever say stuff like this about women now and it's like <laughs> yeah mm, things have gotten so much better now that's like true that. he does progress through the decades like he continues yes. the, there's the 80s but you know sequence, what i yes. mean though the, right like stands, it's yes. it's more acceptable within the fiction of the game for him to be like come on sugar tits like get me another mm-hmm. ice cube or, or whatever does he see doesn't say that in the game right he doesn't call anyone sugar tits i don't think no he doesn't he doesn't he just <laughs> no. says stuff like caroline's is yes. a postcard it's, and maddie's maddie's head cannon yeah i mean that's from my portal to fan fiction um so anyway we're we're coming up on the end of this this year podcast um uh final thoughts i'll go first i think everybody should play portal because it's a great video game it's wonderful those are my final thoughts (laughs) (laughs) what are your thoughts (laughs) um i i second that i think this game is great i hadn't played it in a while there was a period where i was playing a lot on xbox um and it's really nice playing it on pc actually it's a very good mouse and keyboard game and yeah. as much as we've had some criticisms of the sequel that a lot of them it just sort of invites by being so much bigger and more ambitious, it's just also an incredible game. And we haven't talked about the co-op because we're not really talking about Portal 2, but like, holy shit, every time it you consider them. Portal 2 as yeah. like this amazing single player experience, and then it's like, and it's still one of the, maybe the best co-op game ever made. And like, <laughs> I want to play, I want to just sit on the couch and play with Emily because we've never done that. So Ooh, this idea it. is so amazing. It's still one of the most amazing mechanical ideas anyone's ever had for a video game. Congratulations, Kim Swift. <laughs> you're, you're really smart. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing and it's worth replaying. Just just break up whatever modern current games you're playing and go spend a couple hours replaying Portal. Yeah, right on. Justin, how about you? Yeah, sitting here thinking about it, I, I think that I have just replaced a best game ever made in my head which has always been Legends that a link to the past. Mm. I've decided throughout this conversation that I'm going to make it Portal. Wow. I, mm. I think you can make a strong case that it's the best game ever made. This is like a bonus besties mm. episode almost. You can go back and play it again. The thing yeah. came out. Yeah, 14 years ago. How many years ago? Especially if, for a first person, like, it's great. I mean, it's like, improve it. You can't. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's fantastic. But Portal doesn't have a hookshot. Mm. That's true. It would maybe benefit from a hookshot. <laughs> Yeah. If you did at the end, Gladys was like, and this is the Master Sword. <laughs> yeah, and then so yeah, the chime played, you held it over your head. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, my my I have uh, uh, my final thought is that yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm sure there are a lot of younger listeners out there who haven't played it, and I recommend going and checking it out because it's aged really well. Just take some Dramamine before you start, um, <laughs> and also go back and do that before you listen. To yeah, what? Talk. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Right. 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 A, lot of, a lot of warning to the beginning of this. Um, I had one thought that we hadn't talked about, which is that I really like how the game, um, uh, the whole time you're you're escaping towards the end, you're guided by this person, and this person is drawing directions for you of how mm-hmm. to escape Those and like, telling you the cake is lying and all that stuff. And I really like how the game just never tells you what who that is. Yeah, you just that. are left to wonder, like, mm-hmm. oh, did someone else go through this and escape? And I think a lesser game would have ended it by like some guy coming out and rescuing you, and 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 you'd find out that like he was giving you hints all along, and maybe he's your real father or something <laughs> yeah. like that. And I'm really glad he's Andrew Ryan and. You know, he was to his ass. Exactly. Would you kindly make your way through the portal, maze? There you go. There you go. Um, I'm really glad that this game doesn't do that, and it leaves so much to the imagination. And I think, like the the lessons, I think a lot of games learned lessons from Portal, but one of the lessons that games have not learned is subtlety. And I wish more games, game developers, would go play that game and be like, we need to keep things a little more subtle mm-hmm. in our game because subtlety is one of those things that games just have not really mastered. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everyone go play Portal. It's awesome. It is. Yeah. 
Actually, if you've already listened to this whole podcast, it's probably all spoiled for you. But yeah, you know what? You'll still yeah, enjoy I think it. You'll still, you'll still like Kirk it. will record a special yeah. intro explaining to people that they need to play Portal immediately. Right. Yeah, before listening. Right. Yeah, I'll, exactly. give, I'll give people that warning up front. Yeah. Bing, bing, go play Portal. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Rad. Okay. So thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the show. Yeah, it was man. It's a joy to have you. My great pleasure. Um, and thanks to all of our Max Fun members for listening and supporting mm-hmm. Maximum Fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, We will see you for a regular episode on Thursday. See you both soon. Yes. Goodbye. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you're listening to this bonus episode, it means you're already a member, so thank you. We really appreciate your support. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.